behind the shade. I'm in Florida and um, our, our cold, it's cold for us here too, but it's like in the 60s, which I know is not really cold compared to the rest of the nation right now. Absolutely. I'm in Toronto and it's... Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, we have to wear a jacket. But you know what's interesting? Um, I went to Florida three years ago in February. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, it's a, it's colder in February there, but it was nice. I think we had record highs and I loved it. Yeah, I, it, it's always interesting um, when people come because, you know, it's a vacation destination. So people, I think, expect that they can wear their shorts and their T-shirts all year round. And then they come this time of the year and it's really a toss up. You just don't know. So, um, but I, I, know, I know it's true Floridians if they're walking around in their winter coats because um, <laughs> everyone else thinks this is paradise. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll never forget that day because when I left, all I packed to your point was shorts, shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. And I think I had like a pair of sweatpants yep. um, that I probably was sleeping in. And then... It was beautiful. It was so warm that we actually extended our vacation. And nice. on our way back, it was probably the, one of the coldest winters in Canada. Yeah. So I remember looking at the weather. I remember I'm just in shorts and a t-shirt like this. Mm-hmm. So I told everyone, okay, guys, everyone get off the plane. And what I did because it was so cold, I ran through the aisle just because it was so cold, right? And I, I didn't even have a jacket yeah. or anything. So they probably thought I was a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, whenever we're all vaccinated and things are back to normal, I hope you visit us again and get some of that. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I already know where I'm going to go. I already have the four places I want to go, so I can't wait. Oh, that's so exciting. I think everybody's got that list full right now. Um, they're oh, just yeah. chomping at the bit to go. So, Do, do you do any traveling? I do a lot of traveling and I work in the travel industry. I I work at Disney actually. um, So very familiar with that. But yeah, pre-pandemic, I was, my most recent trip was in Thailand. Um, And so now what we're looking at, we actually have an Airstream camper. So we're looking at doing more in the United States, um, you know, safely quarantining in our RV, uh, but still seeing some of the sites because you know, we're, we're getting a little stir crazy here, as you can imagine. It's like, okay, more of the same, more of the same here. Um, so I think we're all mentally trying to um, work through that and how we're all processing and feeling that um, people in general are feeling more hopeful. And I'm definitely an empath myself and I feed off of that energy of others. So I'm feeling hopeful as well that um, we're on the cusp of something really exciting as a, a, a nation as well as um, a, a globe, right? Um, you know, I think of the 1920s happened right after the last pandemic with uh, the, the flu, Spanish flu. And so the roaring 20s, right? So I'm hoping that we're emerging into that age here for us as well. Absolutely. And I, and I, and I love that outlook because that's exactly how I feel. I feel that, you know what, everything that I was able to do in 2020 that I felt I didn't have enough time for, I've started. It's not black and white, right? We, I think we can acknowledge there were, there are some challenges that came up with, um, you know, 2020. Um, but there's also some good things and that have come out of it. Like you're mentioning of being able to flourish in this space as well as in your business. And uh, we have the opportunity to color in those lines. 
Absolutely. So let's officially get started. I want to welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Shades. I have my lovely guest here. And what I'll do is because I love her energy, I'm going to let her introduce herself and let her tell us a little bit. Well, don't tell us a little bit. Tell us a lot about yourself. Go ahead. Sure. So uh, hi, everyone. My name is Peyton Lynch, um, and I am a product manager at the Walt Disney Company. I mostly focus on the Disney Cruise Line Navigator app, which guests use in planning their vacation as well as once they get on board. So you can imagine my life uh, post during pandemic is pretty crazy as we look to get our ships back online. Um, and I have a passion for storytelling that has what is what brought me to the Walt Disney Company since we have such a, a heritage with that. Um, and knowing this about myself that I've always had this love of storytelling and how it's played out in my role, I always knew that I wanted to write a book, but I never really knew what it'll be about. And, you know, it's always hard to get off the ground running with a project like that. Um, and then 2020 happened, <laughs> right? And I think we all had, I, I hear it often, the pandemic pivot or just that push that you needed to um, go into and, you know, really try something new. And that's how 2020 played out for me. And it was actually interesting. We were coming up on the anniversary of September 11th and uh, my husband, his father um, was killed in 9-11 and uh you know it's something that impacts us daily you know you're not every moment you wake up and say like oh 9 11 you know of course <laughs> but um it does impact him and it also has started to impact me um as someone married to someone who's gone through something this traumatic and so i started thinking about that um personal challenges that i've had and i had had and um and I, I was getting really frustrated with my husband because he was not just positive, like not just in a toxic positivity way, but in a, you know, really reflective, um, full of gratitude way, able to look at what was happening in our lives and, and look past that and see, you know, the hope for the future and that it's not always going to be this way. And, you know, things are going to be okay. And I, I was getting so mad. I'm like, what? why are you able to have this perspective? You know, I, I was just so in my feelings about it and just wanting to be angry. Um, and I felt like he was eating this big bowl of resiliency ice cream and he wasn't sharing any. So um, I started to do a little bit more digging and I started having some conversations with other folks who lost their parents in 9-11. And what I found is that they have this... Um, really interesting story about how 20 years later, they are a very resilient group of people. Um, and a lot of that is tied to the the tragedy that they went through. Um, I, I, no one would choose to lose their parent, of course, but I think we can all acknowledge the, the triumph that has come out of their tragedy. Um, and so now where I'm at now is I've, I've interviewed uh, about 20, uh, 20 uh, 9-11 surviving children is what they call them. Um, I've heard their stories of resilience and I've been compiling them in a book um, called Rives from the Ashes uh, because there's just so many insights there that I, I can't wait to share with the world. I've I've heard how they they're impacting my life 
and I can only imagine what they're going to do for the broader community. Perfect. Perfect. And first and foremost, I want to say um, many blessings to you and your family, especially your, your spouse who has gone through um, losing someone on, on that day, because I know um, to many Americans and many people across the world, it's a very um, important day. And it's a, it's mm-hmm. a day of um, that's become a source of strength. So I want to say that. Um, you. You're welcome. And in regards to the experience Um, I guess I can get to that, but what I want to start with is, for those who don't know, um, how did it feel um, speaking to these survivors of that event, and how did their story impact you? Yeah, you know, it's been very interesting in this journey because I hesitate to ever say that I'm excited to have these conversations, right? Um, because I'm not excited to talk to people about their trauma. I would rather that they didn't have trauma for us to talk about at all. Um, and yet the conversations I've had have been invaluable, um, not just for me, but I think for them as well. Many of them have shared that it's been a cathartic experience to be able to open up in a new way about these challenges 20 years later. Um, for myself personally, I have gained a lot um of techniques that I can bring into my own life in order to better deal with the the trauma and grief that I am currently going through. Um, And one of the biggest insights that I'm seeing, uh, actually, there's about four of them that continue to be reoccurring patterns from these conversations um, is role modeling, spirituality, access, great support system and grateful hearts. When, um, when you talk to uh, these folks, a lot of them mention um, wanting to honor the parent they lost, which I knew I would find, right? Uh, many of them, uh, their parents were heroes. Many of them went back into the building or were first responders. And so they, these children, now adults, live their lives in honor of their parent. But even more interesting to me is that their surviving parent, the parent who did not pass away, who continued to help life moving forward for these kids, they're the real hidden heroes. And a lot of the uh, role modeling behavior that the 9-11 surviving children are exhibiting are from having those strong uh, parental figures during their childhood. You know, these parents had to pick up after they lost their spouses, keep their kids going to school, get them into therapy, keep those routines uh, while dealing with their own challenges. And they did such, they did so in a way with such grace that we're now seeing a more resilient uh, generation of people now. And so that those are some of the most fascinating insights that I've seen um, and, and make me excited, you know, to, to be a parent someday so that, you know, I could hopefully be that strong role model that these kids saw in their parents as well. And that's amazing because I look at that story and I look at everything they've, they've gone through and grants on the outside looking in and not that it's the same, but if you can compare it to a situation that each and every one of us has goes through because so many of us have our own journey, have our own struggle. You can have something as devastating 
to yourself personally, to your family, to a nation as September 11th. And yet they're able to still honor those people, right? They're still able to say that this has happened. You're going to have to pick yourself up and continue forward, right? I know you touched on that your husband was so positive and you're like, okay, where is he getting this resilience ice cream from, right? I want a bite. I want the whole bowl. <laughs> you know, I want the carton. Take it out of the fridge, the freezer and give it to me, yes, right? exactly. Exactly. And doesn't it always come back to who is around you? Who is your support system when your own shoulders are too heavy for your head to cry on? Mm-hmm. Is that... The impression that you got speaking to these people and on top of that is that what you experienced within your own family as you're remembering that day yes uh community is key it has been one of the many keys to success that i'm seeing in the 9-11 surviving children i've spoken to um knowing that they have people that they can count on uh to get through that not not just family members and friends, but also a community of people who get it. And when 9-11 happened, it was hard to find people who got it, right? Unless you were in um, New York or New Jersey. I mean, those areas were saturated with people who got it because this happened. For my husband, um, his parents were divorced, so he was living in Pennsylvania. He was the only kid in his entire school who lost their parent in 9-11. Um, you know, he even had a guidance counselor tell him that his dad could be alive in an air pocket for weeks after. Like, there are just things that were said and done in in what should have been a supportive group for him that wasn't because they were struggling to find that connection. And so for people who are experiencing um, their own grief and trauma challenges, I would encourage you to find people in your life who get it. Whether that's, you know, I know for my own challenges, I found a Facebook group of other women going through the same issue. Um, And right now it's really hard to connect in person. Um, But I think, you know, everyone has the opportunity to find a group of people who can say, yes, I'm living that same exact thing. You are not alone in this. um, And we can get through this together. And that's amazing to think that instead of having people rally around you, as you mentioned, you have a Facebook group. And I think that's going to be the new, I don't want to say AA meeting, <laughs> but <laughs> I think that's going to be the new um, support group. I think instead of, I think we would have support groups that's going to be, let's say, you know what, Peyton walks down the street and she sees her friend and it's like, you know what, give a moment, I just really want to talk. But now we have people saying that, you know what, this is how I feel. And then you have people saying, you know what, let's pull together. Let's go from there. Now you have a consistent and a constant flow of words of encouragement. And I think that's what's so important about these groups online. Sometimes we all have good intentions, but sometimes the burdens that I have today, I'm not able to shoulder the the burden that you may be bringing to me today as well, right? But when you have a group, you can say that, hey, guys, I'm feeling sad today because in one week, it's the anniversary of this. Mm -hmm. Or I just saw a photo of someone that that passed away during it, and I miss them. This is how I feel. And even though you're not seeing someone, you know, next time you log in, you're going to have all these words of encouragement, right? Is 
is that what the group is to you? And by turn, is that what you are to maybe your spouse and to other family members? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, we almost need a whole separate show to talk about social media and its impacts on community, <laughs> um, positive and negative. But I think we have an opportunity here with technology to connect with people that we would never know otherwise are walking the same or similar journeys as us. Um, and it's exactly that, right? If I need encouragement, I know I can go there um, to, the, to these groups or, you know, they make it easy, right? I can search a keyword and find something to see if someone has advice on something that I'm, um, I'm struggling with. And um, as for being that support system for my husband, I certainly hope that I am right. Um, and you know, I've been very fortunate in that he is very open and honest about how he's feeling, um, which has really, really was the impetus for the book, right? To see are there's others out there who are willing to share. Um, and so in, in that way, because I sort of, I, I live in the middle, right? I wasn't directly impacted by, by 9-11, but the ripple effects have led to me at this point. Um, I'm hoping that by collecting these stories, I'm able to provide something back for that community uh, in a broader way that even they might not have been able to see as they're living it themselves. Has your life, how has your life been since that day? till now like i know that has been almost 20 years right yeah um what changes has happened to you on a personal mm. level it's interesting i was uh, i was pretty young i was in second grade um not to age myself uh when it happened i, but... I wasn't born yet guys so no I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um so i was in second grade at the time i think we all you know have those stories we all remember where we were right um when it happened and i remember being in the classroom and then coming home that day and watching my mom in front of the TV and understanding that something was wrong. Um, but I had never, even though we only lived from New York City, I had never been to New York City. Um, and so it was hard to, to understand that. Um, in fact, you know, the next time I went, I actually went into the city. It was um, still in wreckage. They had not built the memorial yet and so it was this so i started to have this realization of history is happening and i am a young child a part of uh watching this unfold um and you know i other than the anniversary coming up each year and posting my never forget post as a you know a a loyal American does. I never thought much of it until I met my husband. And uh, I remember we were sitting in a, a bonefish restaurant, uh, if you're familiar with that chain. And it was the 9-11 anniversary. We went out to dinner and he sat down and told me the whole story um, of how his, his dad passed away and his dad um, was a hero. He um, was a property manager of Two World Trade was out of the building called home and then uh said he was safe and went back in to save others lives so um you can imagine what that was like getting that whole low down uh in one evening and i'm like man i'm inheriting a lot of baggage here do i really want to take this on um and we were just we were dating a few months at the time um and 
And so, but having him open up to me in that way, I think helped us to have much more honest conversations uh, about things in general. And um, I think now it's given me this perspective that I've watched, I've watched my husband process this all this time. I know that he has already lived what is hopefully the toughest day of his life. And I seen where he is now, we can do anything. You know, uh, knowing that he has survived that, we can get through this year. We can get through whatever the next hurdle is in front of us. Um, and he has that 20-year perspective to help guide us. Yeah, because at this point, you both are so much stronger um, than maybe a couple of years ago. And is it a case where each year it's a reminder of that strength? Absolutely. Uh, I think we, we think of it in little moments every day. I think that's just a part of um, us wanting to keep his dad's story alive. Um, it is something we hope to tell our future children about as well, that legacy. Um, it's heavy. It, it's, a, it's a heavy thing to even think about now. Um, but you just never know how that day's going to hit until it hits. Um, we do our best to find fun ways to honor his dad. We'll usually plan a little getaway on that. I try to take off from work when I can, um, but you just don't know. And given the way this is such a public um, event, it's hard to hide from the, the media uh, um, constant replay. So it does continue to pull up those emotions. But I think the biggest insight I've gathered it from my husband here is the way he's been able to compartmentalize 9-11 the event from his 9-11 losing his dad, right? If he were to have a mental breakdown every time 9-11 was mentioned, oh my goodness, we would have a real problem because it's brought up all the time in casual conversation. Even with COVID-19, they call it the new 9-11. There's now this post-COVID-19 world and you know we all pay an airline tax every time we get on a plane and all these things change because of 9-11. And so it's being able to recognize that this is an event and we need to separate it from, you know, the passing of his father um, in order to get through the day. And to continue a little bit further, because I know that you've, you touched on it, how you've written this book and you, and you spoke to these people and you um, so courageously um, looking to share their story. So what is next? For, for Peyton, like what's on your radar now after you've done this? It's it's funny. <laughs> when I when I speak with 9-11 surviving children, the first thing I always tell them, it, it comes up in pretty much every interview, is while well, we need to write a second book in another 20 years because um, I just hear a lot of these people were very young when 9-11 happened. Many of them don't even remember the parent that they lost. And so they're just getting out into the world and they're excited and bright eyed and bushy tailed. And um, I'm really excited to see, you know, these future leaders um, emerge. But then it's like, okay, now I want to circle back 20 years. Um, now, obviously, that can't be my next project or else I need to do nothing for 20 years. Um, but I do have another book project in mind uh, talking about. The pandemic pivot actually um, around how we've planned our lives and our, our careers in different ways around the pandemic. 
and how we can do more of that even when there isn't a pandemic, right? Um, how can we get to the core of what made us change our minds in 2020 to say, I've had enough of living this way, or I was laid off from this job, so I'm going to find a completely new path that I'm actually more passionate about. Um, how can we do more of that without the um, you know fear of, of a pandemic breathing down our necks? <laughs> As you mentioned, you're right, because now if they're so young, they're probably at a certain age where they're out in the world and everything, as you mentioned, bright-eyed, bushy tear. And it's like, this is our opportunity to take on the world. And then 20 years later, granted, it is quite the journey, right? But there'll be a different point in their life, right? Because they're probably, what, in their 20 to 30, so 40, 50, your mindset is is different and they have a very unique perspective. Um, but for you, what do you, like, I know you have all of this going on and this is amazing. Did you ever think, or is it part of your goal to say that, you know, this is the type of impact I want to make on the world? I, once I got the idea to write a, about the 9-11 surviving children and their journeys, um, it became very clear to me that the impact that I want to make, I wouldn't say I always knew, um, but now that I'm in the, the throes of it, um, my, my goal from an insight perspective is that people can walk away from this book and realize that the 9-11 surviving children, while they're incredible, they're not superheroes. We all have access to the tools and the techniques that they took advantage of over the past 20 years in order for us to grow from whatever trial that we're currently going through. They've taught me that, and I can't wait to share that with others. And the second piece is um, to support that 9-11 surviving children community. There is um, an organization called Tuesday's Children, and um, they have I've partnered with them closely throughout this book. They provided a lot of support to my husband and his family as they were growing up, giving them resource, resources to therapy camps. Um, you know, job search uh, opportunities, and they, they continue those efforts today for the 9-11 surviving children, as well as other impacts or others impacted by uh, war crimes. Um, and we, as we know, these 9-11 is the, not the only event like this that has happened in our lifetime. So there is need for that. So um, I am going to be donating a large portion of the book proceeds to that organization so that we can continue that support for those groups. Speaking on the 9-11 experience, what you've learned as we kind of separate that now, what's your takeaway from what you've learned and how have you applied it to your life to maybe make you uh, a better version of yourself today and going forward? When I started writing the book, I think I thought I would walk away with like a BuzzFeed article type of like, here's the top 10 things to deal with your trauma and rise from the ashes and everything will be great and dandy. Um, but what I've discovered is while there are those insights, absolutely, there are things that we can do through this time, but it's that it takes time. It takes time for these things to marinate and grief and trauma are not linear. 
And so some, it, sometimes it can look like a spiral staircase, right? And you might need to look over on this angle and then build up a few more pieces there, or you might have to go back down and glue down the, the squeaky floorboard on the stair below you, and that is okay. And I think in my own challenges that I'm going through right now, I haven't given myself that time. I just want to skip right through the grief and get to all of the great post-traumatic growth part, <laughs> but that's not how this works. And we have to give ourselves that grace and that space to grow. And I'm not perfect at it. <laughs> I'm still learning in this way, but I think I'm able to wake up each morning and say, you know what, I'm at this point in my grief journey and that is an okay place to be. And we're just gonna keep walking through it. Um, I think there's a, a Winston Churchill quote. It's like, uh, if you're in in hell, don't stop. You know, it's like, why would you stop? You know, I have no choice, but right. Just keep going, get out of there. Don't stay in hell. <laughs> and so that's what I just have to remember. It's not always gonna be like this. It's okay, where I'm at is okay, but we're gonna keep going and we're gonna get through it. And I will, I will piggyback off of that when, it, when you mentioned that um, finding the time to um, go through the grief and, and stuff like that, right? And I was speaking to someone about this very topic and they mentioned that sometimes what they found in their personal experience and their personal journey as we're talking about that is that when they prevent them, when they prevent themselves from finding the time to deal with maybe the grief or the anxiety or some of the issues they went through, it was their way of not acknowledging it because at that point in time, they didn't have an answer or solution for it. Mm -hmm. Is that how you're feeling with um, why you're not giving yourself the time? Because it seems like you have a lot on the go and you just talking to you, very organized in your thoughts. But is that maybe the reason why you haven't given the time? Because you're like, I have this situation, but I don't know if I have the answer yet. So let me mm -hmm. put it to the side Pause. and come back to it. That's interesting. Um, I, I think I'll need some time to noodle on it um, to see, but I, I'll be, I'll have to come back to you and tell you. I think for me, one of the bigger challenges I have is that I hold myself to a certain standard and way of things. And for a long time, I've been told that I am a certain thing. I am constantly told, Peyton, you're such a positive person. Um, I think even when I'm telling people about something challenging I'm going through, I'm usually smiling, which makes them believe like, she's not actually upset about this, she's fine. Um, and I've taken pride in being the positive person to a fault. And so when people say you're the positive person, I've tried to fit myself into this positive person box when Peyton really is much larger than the positive person box. I am sad, I am happy, I'm excited, I'm scared, just like every other human being. But because I've been labeled in this way and allowed that to impact myself, I don't give myself space to feel any of those things. And so I constantly wanna push them out and say, and make judgments about how I'm feeling or dealing with where I'm at. Um, and so once I realized that, no, no, there's more to me than the, the positive box. Um, I think I was able to really stretch my wings literally <laughs> and, um, 
and get myself out of that mindset and give myself permission to feel everything that I'm feeling. And what I call that, um, because I'm very similar, like high energy, having a good time. I call that the burden of positivity. And the yeah. reason why I call it that is that when you're, when you are that positive, happy, bouncing off the walls person <laughs> and your friends get to, and the people around you know you as such, they don't expect you to feel any other way. Mm -hmm. Right. You can be having, because they come to you for that energy. They yeah. come to you for that smile. They come for you. They come to you for comfort. And sometimes the people who are like you and I, sometimes we hurt much more than other people because we don't know if we have the capability to go to someone and say, hey, I just don't feel like myself today because of this. Because in the back of our mind, we're probably thinking, I go to someone with my problem, are they going to think it's serious enough because I'm always happy? Right. 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 Or am I letting them down? Right. Am I letting them down because they need me to be the positive person? Is that something that you go through where you have that weight on your shoulders saying that, you know what, I don't even know if I could afford to not have a happy day because everyone is looking to me for that yeah. source of happiness. Yeah. I, I feel that a lot, um, especially at work, now that we're all working from home in a pandemic. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, every, all of the, the fun um, activities I would do with the team, team building, it sort of fell to the wayside, right? Um, we all were like, we have to do all these things and fix the pandemic, you know, as if we're gonna do that on our own. But, um, you know, we really tried to get as much work done as we could um and now you know we're like okay well we're still working from home here and everybody is dealing with all of their challenges and you know they're right at your doorstep because you're working from home um and people started coming up you know to my virtual doorstep and saying hey like are you gonna start doing more of that fun stuff you used to do and you know you're gonna come on camera so we can see your smiling face and while well, i'm honored and touched that you know they they look to me as that um sometimes i can't put my camera on because i i need to feel what i'm feeling and that could be a distraction to what we're doing um on the call and uh you know they deserve that space to deal with what they're dealing with in this time and so do i and and so you're right it does feel like a burden sometimes to to carry that label. Um, and oftentimes we're designed as care, the caretakers too, right? We wanna help others and take care of others. Well, what about us when we need to be taken care of? And so um, it often does get neglected. How do you take care of the person that is usually taking care of others, right? Yeah, absolutely. We think a lot of people I think relate to, to their mothers, right? For people who have a strong, um, mother figure in their lives it's you I, I think of my own mom right she did it all so sh i should have to do it all too right I, at all times which is just not possible <laughs> you pass it down generation to generation my mom did it so peter has to do it and when i have my daughter she'll do it so on and so forth we'll just be a generation of people that take care of others yeah. right and while i want my children to be caretakers i don't want them to carry this burden 
And I want them to hopefully learn from my mistakes, right? Of, of maybe being less authentic about how I'm feeling to preserve everyone else's feelings. Um, not that we shouldn't, again, it's not that we shouldn't be cognizant of other people's feelings, um, but we, it's the same analogy we hear time and time again about putting your own oxygen mask on before placing on others. I, I cannot worry or take care of other people's mental health if I haven't addressed my own. Yeah. And just so everyone knows, I know we're, we're talking about, we do care. Like Peyton and I, we're very caring <laughs> people. We love everybody, right? It's yeah. just, we need to love ourselves too. Yep. I, I, someone once said this to me, um, th- that they wished that I loved myself as much as I loved others. And it's true. I, we should love ourselves as much, if not more, than we love others. And not in an arrogant way, but in a, you know, a taking care of ourselves way. Yeah, keep ourselves healthy, right? Because there's so many people that are important to us. Like people with our personality, we care about so many people. You put on your oxygen mask first, and then you help others, right? If you're not healthy, mind, body, and soul, there's not much helping you can do. So you definitely need to make sure that the love for yourself is there. Because if you don't have self-love, you won't have enough love to give to everyone else. It's true. It's true. And we hear it time and time again. And yet, I personally fall into the same traps each time. But, um, you know, as I've been sharing, I have been learning a lot uh, from the, these individuals that I've been talking to. And and it's really that I... I need a little bit of grace, right? I give others grace. I got to give myself too. And if, and if that's writing a sticky note and putting it on my computer that says, give yourself grace today, you know what? That's a step in the right direction. Hopefully someday I won't need this sticky note. <laughs> <laughs> What's three of your favorite moments during um, this journey of meeting these, meeting these people, the survivors, the book, and today? I would say one of my favorite moments was when my my husband is one of five as well. So we're, we're both from big families. And when I originally started writing the book, I had reached out to all of them to let them know that I had talked to John about it. I had talked to um, his, his mom about it, gotten their blessing to write the book. Um, and I just, I wanted to give them a heads up because I didn't want them to be blindsided when I started posting about it on social media that, hey, Peyton's writing this book. Like she didn't act, talk to us about that. And um, everyone has different comfort levels with this subject matter. And so I want to be respectful of that. And uh, as I was going along with the interviews, the only person that I interviewed from my husband's family was my husband. Um, because I, I just didn't want to, again, overstep that boundary. They've had some really um, challenging memories associated to media trying to reach out and follow their family. And you know, that that's not the place that I was trying to come from. And then um, about five months into the writing process, I get a message from my stepmother-in-law, John's stepmom. And um, she's like, Mark wants to be interviewed, which is my husband's youngest brother. And I'm like, well, why didn't he ever say anything? You know, like, I, I listen, I'm happy to talk. I'm doing interviews all the time, like, please. Um, and so it started this whole funny thing about how, you know, he, he wanted to be a part of it and, and he reached out then and, 
and we got to have this great discussion and I got to learn about my husband's journey from a different perspective, right? Someone else in his family. And I was just so grateful for that in so many ways that, that he, um, that his brother opened up to me, to me in that way. Um, and it, it gave me great insights for the book, but also great insights for my personal life, um, that are really interesting to carry. Um, as for, as for now, what am I most excited about? Um, I've mostly wrapped up writing the entire book now, um, editing and I did get the green light for, uh, publishing in August from my publisher. And that just feel, makes it feel that much more real. Like, yeah, I've been writing all of this. I've been hitting, um, writing milestones just because I am very goal oriented to be able to hit those marks and to hear those words, you're greenlit, you're, you're a go for publishing. Oh, that just made my heart sore. Like I, and, um, I think it's just, it's perfect timing giving it, it will come out in August and the 20th anniversary of nine 11 is in September. So, um, I'm really hoping that this is a, a good and beautiful way to honor uh, that 20th anniversary. That's beautiful. And congratulations, because I could just imagine it's going to be such an amazing read and that journey to have that journey all come together. Yeah, I, I'm hoping there it's um, not just the silver lining, but, you know, the the um, the rainbow right at the end of the storm. Right. I think the, the 20th anniversary is going to be a stormy time for all of us who are impacted by it. Um, but there's also the gift of this book. Um, and I'm hoping that something beautiful comes from this really, really challenging experience. 